Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where the pretty ones are always insane. I'm your host, the hot to trot soccer mom, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and this podcast is more exciting than a three-chambered peanut. And who do we have on the line? I am an astronaut waving a golf club, Stephen Sadek. <laughs> Excellent, and today's episode is Marge Simpson in Screaming Yellow Honkers. Today's episode aired on February 21st, 1999, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! Eminem's second album releases and his stardom truly begins. Office Space debuts in very low-attended theaters, mm. and sadly, Gene Siskel passes away. Aww. Oh no. <laughs> I, I saved the sad one for last there. <laughs> well, originally I wrote that one first, and so I was going to be like, oh boy, Bobby, Jesus. <laughs> this uh, great man is dead. Uh, yes, Go but. back to Talking Critic. They are in the best episode of The Critic together that uh, really underlines the sweetness and also the hostility of their relationship. And also the uh, movie Life Itself about Ebert is a very good uh, film about them and him. Mm-hmm. Quick question. Uh, I'm going to start us off with a digression. Do you think The Critic would have been more successful if it came out sort of in the late 80s as opposed to the early 90s because of like the critic boom as you could see it like you know what I mean like Siskel and Ebert were on the decline in the 90s you know what I mean do you you think that had anything to do with the lack of success there I think so I mean it was successful in terms of a Fox show but the president hated it but I feel like it really couldn't have lasted into the 2000s because there was nowhere for it to go yeah Yeah, totally yeah I think uh, the the heyday had passed by that point and so it seemed weirder for to be the main character of the show as the successful urbane film critic (laughs) now it's the most ridiculous thought in the world a a, a upper class kind of rich film critic making and thinking is in the show they say his salary is like two hundred seventy thousand dollars a year oh my god yes something like that but uh yeah it's really tragic because roger ebert was early to the internet in the late 90s they put all of his reviews online then he became a blogger when he lost his uh voice a little bit before that actually but gene siskel none of his work i can find online oh that's sad this will tell you who i am when roger ebert's (laughs) reviews went online all of them on the chicago sun uh website uh i spent summers reading every one (laughs) by star ranking I'm like first I'll read all the zero star ones and then one star and then one and a half star so I probably have read every Roger Ebert review through like 2000 or 2001 (laughs) so that's my life 
that's an impressive life. Yeah, I don't, I don't have, I never have the discipline for that. I just sort of like, I would, I was into Ebert specifically for like movies that I wanted to see, but I'm such a spoiler phobe. I, I have been forever. Like, I have to be well after I've seen the movie. I can't know what, what's even a movie that I'm totally not interested in. I will not want to know what's in it until I get there myself. Career wise, for me as a person who has to have hot takes, I have to save reviews now for later. I have to be like, well, first I have to see Joker and have my own opinion, and then I read what other people's opinions are. <laughs> I, I worry of, a, of an opinion messing up mine, uh, or I'll end up just parroting it. You need to have the right to complain. That's what it's about. That's why you vote. Well, that, that's why I try not to listen to too many po- comedy podcasts, honestly. Like, I don't want stuff, other people's bits, influencing my own or whatever. Mm, uh, it's, dangerous. it's dangerous. It is, totally. And you don't know where these ideas come from. They're just in your brain, and then someone's like, um, actually? And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and, and But then you sound like Carlos Mencia used that excuse he was like well no i was just in other comedy clubs and people just hear things and then you find out no you were writing things down <laughs> but so then you just sound like a liar if yeah. you say like no no i just i, I heard other people just came yeah in. i was at a comedy club with a 20 gallon camera hat you know <laughs> just hanging out uh and yes eminem slim shady mplp was the uh mm, so not the proper album i think it was just called the slim shady lp but that is the one that had huh? Oh, okay. My name is like the oh yeah the oh, okay, assault that was the on our senses of Eminem began right here. Will society survive? <laughs> he he really held up a mirror to us, man. <laughs> a uh, a carnival mirror, if you will. Uh, and uh, yes, Office Space, uh, pretty good movie. I was a dollar movie theater viewer of Office Space, and I did enjoy okay. it despite oh. being seventeen and having never worked in an office. And while I say it is like probably the only good Mike Judge movie, uh, and it's a very good depiction of office life, it's also the very late nineties movie of I'm so tired of my nice job with health insurance it's just so boring the worst thing is being bored in the 90s right that, before yeah. everything collapses well when you look at the 90s like this episode specifically and also like we're worried people were like desperately worried about Eminem and and again like to your point office space like it's a pretty good job he's got it looks like a nice company and I, I want the nice Ikea apartment that the character has in Fight Club that's my ideal lifestyle <laughs> in that high rise uh, no uh, yeah office space uh, American Beauty 2 was the same vein of like oh, everything's wonderful I have such malaise and that character was a magazine editor making like $70,000 a year oh yes yeah uh, yeah it's uh, the I really liked office space I would say, I mean, you know, Beavis and Butthead was a really great Mike Judge movie. It's not the only... Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess live action because uh, Idiocracy is so uneven and there's a few funny jokes, but I find it's, it's overrated. about eugenics. In a way. <laughs> and people reference it too much and it's like, is that really a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, uh, the Idiocracy thing was a little too on the nose. A lot of those jokes really hit and I think Luke Wilson's really funny at it, etc. But yet, yeah, as a movie, it's not great. What was this one with the Extract. Yeah, which that's about being a manager, right? Yeah, like, it's I, about Mike Judge's experience as being a boss. But I guess Silicon Valley is good. I've heard good I'm things. I'm too close to that world to enjoy it yet, but I want to watch it in like five years. I watched the first two seasons. I really liked it. And then I just sort of got, like with most uh, HBO shows, if I get distracted, I'm done. Hmm. It is really funny. I think Kamel Ninjani is really hilarious on it. Tom Smith is really good. Zach Woods, just always fantastic. And they threw away TJ Miller. So thank God for that. Oh, he said he Smart was too move. good. He said he was too good for that. <laughs> 
<laughs> as he was being tossed into the yeah. parking lot. Pretty amazing that TJ Miller interview about how he's actually great for taking the Emoji movie. Like that comes like three months before his fall from grace began. He's mm. like, I'm a. It was his I am a golden god moment. <laughs> I, I feel like everyone saw that implosion happening in real time. Like it's gonna happen. It's just just look at this guy. And then sure enough, it did. But today's special guest is Stephen Sadak of the amazing Ooh. podcast We Hate Movies. Hello, Stephen. This is your three peat performance on our uh, podcast. I know this is exciting. One more, and I'm like the Buffalo Bills. You know, <laughs> something like that. You're the Steve Martin of our SNL. <laughs> exactly. I'm. I always come up short, though. That's the no. problem. Yeah, that Bills. Um, I disagree with that Bills comparison because I would say you lose every time you're on here. You're a winner. You're a <laughs> Yay! Winner. I'm like the Dallas Cowboys. Tom <laughs> Landry's hat. No. Uh. Yeah. This is super exciting. I love coming on this show. You guys are amazing. We. Oh, thank you. A big old love fest back back and forth, and now you've actually completed the set. Am I correct? You've got everybody we at this have point. Indeed, yeah, yes. Kevin was the last get. We got him. <laughs> it takes a lot for that guy to show up. Tell you that much. <laughs> he did uh, a great job. And uh, and a special thank you to you for mentioning us on your Simpsons uh, episode you just did of Animation Domination. By the way, yeah, you ha- we had to. Uh, sadly, not sadly. No, it just sort of. If we're doing a Simpsons episode, it just feels weird that we're all doing the Simpsons show and then we go onto our feed and make our own little Simpsons show. It was I, it, it was fun to talk about that, and I'm always down to talk Simpsons on Talking Simpsons. <laughs> and you'll be coming out to our neck of the woods in the Bay Area, and also, I believe, uh, Portland as well, very, very soon. Is that right? Yes, actually. If you are a Talking Simpsons Patreon, you've got a week to get tickets. Um, uh, we're coming out on 11-6 at Cobb's Comedy Club. We're going to be talking about The Rock. Uh, and if you're a cheap bastard free pit person, it's actually tonight, so you really got to get moving. <laughs> Go uh, Get in the car. Uh, You can keep listening in the car. (laughs) Yes. uh, November the 6th, we're going to be at Comms Comedy Club talking about The Rock. Uh, It'll be a We Love Movies episode. We do. We we like to have fun with good movies these days, sometimes, especially on the road, because you have to watch the same movie like three times in a week just to kind of get it. So it it helps when it's a good movie and not like pure garbage. Well, and also, if you're going to have the audience come out, they they might want to watch a good thing before they come out. Exactly. Like, actually, uh, as we're recording this, this is the week uh, we're doing uh, our our annual Halloween spooktacular. This is the week the human centipede is coming out, and so oh. many people are upset with me for. And I, I had to put out a statement like it was a, a <laughs> damage control. Be like, listen, guys, you don't have to watch the human centipede. I'm not endorsing that film at all, but listen for the jokes. It'll be fun. I I have definitely still enjoyed many an episode if I've never <laughs> seen the movie or saw it like 20 years ago. Thank you, Henry. That's a good attitude to have. <laughs> and you should all go out and see We Hit Movies Live because they're amazing. But to sweeten the deal, Henry and I will be there, yes. but nowhere near the stage. <laughs> Not yeah, performing you, in any way. All, all sorts of podcast celebrities are going to be there, in stage and off stage. Or mm. on, we're not going to be inside the stage. We're going to be on top of it, I promise. <laughs> I want you to emerge from the stage. <laughs> Uh, the pyrotechnics is always kind of a thing that it's a it's a down the line dream. So we're actually doing a West Coast tour. Uh, that's the beginning of it. November the sixth will be in your hometown in San Francisco, which I love. Uh, the next day we're flying to Portland, Oregon, to the Aladdin Comedy Club or the Aladdin the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon, uh, doing Kindergarten Cop, which is oh. also kind of a we love movies because I've seen that movie way 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 too many times. And, and a couple days later on November the tenth, which is Sunday, we're going to be at the Hollywood Improv. We just added an early show we're going to be doing teen wolf right before we do our sold out show on the karate kids so those tickets are still available for teen wolf i think at this time and you should get them because 
we're doing an 80s night. You should go to both shows if you can. Yeah, awesome. I will say, as someone who loves your podcast, West Coast appearances for you guys are rare because you're based in New York. So I've been waiting probably nine years for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, and I, I went to San Francisco a couple years ago with my wife, uh, my now wife. We weren't married at the time, and I loved it. And it, it's been kind of far too long for us to get out there sort of officially. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have so many opportunities on the East Coast. I, I, I mean, we're hypocrites. We yeah. don't go to the East Coast. So yeah. <laughs> we've had many people going like, why don't you go to Boston? And my response is like, why don't you go to San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, how about that, yeah, buddy? Exactly. Uh, the money is kind of hard to make that work for a couple of grown adults to fly around. And da 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 da. You know, it's not mm. not that easy to do uh, cross country flights uh, on a podcaster's budget. <laughs> Until our patrons unlock the Talking Simpsons jets. This won't happen. Uh, it's a certain level I think we'll get to eventually, for sure. We can we can buy the jet, the Simpsons, uh, that had the Simpsons on it before. The one non-pervert private jet. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now imagining you guys having a big, like, Righteous Gemstones uh, uh, <laughs> compound where everything is branded for Talking Simpsons. I think it's going to happen. That's the dream. Oh, mm. man. Uh, but, yes, I, I can't wait to see those. Definitely, if you come to the San Francisco show on the 6th, you will hear my laughter, which is, in a way, a performance. <laughs> oh, sorry. One last thing. Uh, you can find all the tickets on whmpodcast.com slash tour uh, or just go to whmpodcast.com and find the tour tab. It's all there. All your fun tickets. Awesome. Well, man. Uh, so this episode. Screening- well, I got to get out of here, guys. Oh, no. awesome. Thank you so much. What a prima donna, I swear. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, this episode of The Simpsons uh, Screaming Yellow Honkers. Should we explain the reference up front? Yeah, let's do that up it's front. It's not about Marge's uh, breasts, in case you're wondering. <laughs> this is referencing an obscure, like, candy popcorn from the 60s it was yeah. glazed popcorn that was sort of taking advantage of the hippie-ish movement at the time but now apparently it still exists but is only uh distributed to certain walgreens yeah it's released every now and then for a limited time it's starting from 2012 con agra foods mm. killed it in 2007 i liked the look of the old box that it was just like a black box that said screaming yellow zonkers like believe it it's basically cracker jacks without peanuts in them and even if there's no screaming yellow zonkers believe me that there's no shortage of sweetened corn in america <laughs> so don't don't feel too bad yeah they, my, a buddy of mine was way in like he was like a candy aficionado would have like i'd go to his house they, they were like the halloween kids so they were like totally nuts about all sorts of halloween and like obscure candies and i remember very specifically when this episode came out i was like oh that's what this is about it was, it was <laughs> very bizarre and now you know when i've had sweet sweetened popcorn the fancy sweetened popcorn at something uh like at a movie theater when i eat it i i just think like this is corn pops i just paid a ton of money for a bowl of corn pops with chocolate drizzled on you need to bring your own corn pops from home in that space bag they come in (laughs) that little pointy tube whenever i go to the movies by myself i'm always like it's always a a total fucking emperor at at the coliseum i go absolutely nuts because no one's there to judge me and i got Got a flaming hot Cheeto popcorn last time, and my sting my fingers were stained for days. I've never oh experienced God. this. Jesus. I've never experienced. I've had, and I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a Cheeto man myself, but I've never experienced that. It's the uh, it's the popcorn equivalent of those dye packs they put on clothes, so you can't break them off when you're shoplifting. <laughs> you're yes. just marked with shame. Yes, I look like uh, uh, Robert Pattinson Good Time leaving that theater. <laughs> I got special Spider-Man popcorn. That's the most recent fancy popcorn I got because my husband was like, you need to have an opinion on what Spider-Man popcorn tastes like. So I was like, fine. And it's uh, <laughs> this was at AMC for the most recent Spider-Man movie. And so it's just candied popcorn that is red or blue. And it, it seriously is just Captain Crunch 
crunch berries. Like it again oh. felt not special at all, except that it was red and blue popcorn. I'm sure it tasted like red and blue. <laughs> Pretty much. You, you mainly taste the food color. I'm more a fan of salty popcorn with a nice uh, syrupy Coke at the movies. I need my, my pig dinner <laughs> with my pig drink. <laughs> uh, but also this episode is about SUV moms. Did you, either of you guys have SUV moms uh, growing up? No. I did not. There were not enough kids to, uh, you know, necessitate an SUV in my family. Yeah, yeah, we we didn't. Um, we were in the Bronx. We didn't really. My dad had a car, but not. My mom didn't for a really long time. I don't. And also, I feel like SUV moms were kind of a thing when this episode was coming out for for younger people. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that was kind of the thing. I well, think. Well, I indeed did have an SUV mom. Oh, uh, she she didn't get road rage like uh, Marge or any comical thing like that, but. She really enjoyed going up to an SUV. Like, I I don't know why we had it other than just it was a status symbol, perhaps, or whatever. I, I was slightly upper middle class, I'll say that. But when it was time to get a new car, which, like, we only got new cars, like, three times in my entire childhood. It wasn't, like, a yearly event. But, mm-hmm. we, but we got an SUV, and that was my mom's regular thing. And she really did like the feeling of being above traffic. Just it was, <laughs> like, an empowering feeling for her. And also, the the storage that Marge celebrates in this episode, my mom really liked too. I don't think it made her a more aggressive driver, but I, and I do think like, the stereotype of suburban moms in their SUVs is, is a little sexist, but I also do think it was a real thing going on for some mothers in America at the time. Too. I actually had an SUV for about two or three years. Really? Because my old uh, shitty car broke down, I couldn't use it anymore, and I needed a new car, and the cheapest option was to lease an SUV because wow. it was the early 2000s, and that was the least popular time to get a fuel-inefficient car uh, because of obvious reasons. But also, another reason it was cheap was because the car was called the Rendezvous, and we all <laughs> hated French people oh, and the language. Man, that's uh that really paid off for you. So damn. for the princely sum of one eighty eight a month, I drove a new Rendezvous. That's pretty that, good. Yeah. That was a rock and a hard place for certain people. It's like, I hate the French, but I do want to destroy the planet. <laughs> How do I do both? <laughs> the few times I drove it or drove other big cars, I honestly, I get, I hate driving i am happy to have not driven for the last 13 years uh and when i i didn't like the power i got in it i felt too above the other drivers and uh to it also like uh you know i could sometimes miss things and i was definitely worried of like well i ran over a child who is beneath my view line (laughs) in this giant suv yeah as as a new york elite i do not drive a car um (laughs) but i and like i do feel like if i did i'd be afraid that i'd be either version of mark in this episode either the beginning part because that that fits with certain parts of my personality the completely passive like oh no you 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 and also out of fear of getting into a crash but also like i feel like the second i got comfortable i would be running over people like like nobody's (laughs) business and uh i think the writers on this one too they found a funny way to give marge a story that didn't involve marge gets a job it's marge gets a car (laughs) but it's not marge gets a job it's true uh and also yeah this is kind of a fun callback to steven's first appearance on the podcast where we did marge gets friends the uh the yes. high society one i'm almost a marge expert at this point yeah <laughs> i i actually like this episode for the margeness it, there are a lot of air holes in this one that's it's very very light it doesn't try to solve the problem which is kind of a thing for me it's also written by classic uh, simpsons writer david m stern who came back in season 10 to write like this and uh, viva ned flanders mm-hmm. 
And uh, the director, Mark Kirkland, and his team, I think, did a really good job with a script that probably was not thought about how hard it would be to animate. Uh, a bunch of rhino yeah. stampeding yes, for five minutes, yeah. yeah. And car action, and just uh, a lot of a lot of difficult stuff for sure. The, the end of this one reminds me a lot of the Listen Lady in terms of uh, just a, a bizarre animal happenstance that isn't really set up in the plot that kind of ends the episode. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, yeah, the typical Act Three uh, zoo panic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow, you're right. That is a very it's a very similar third act. And yeah. and that was also a Marge centric episode too. Either Marge gets a job or Marge runs afoul of zoo animals. <laughs> <laughs> this episode starts out with another difficult thing to animate, which is a musical number, a lengthy musical number as we uh we get a very funny uh fame parody here. We're proud to be teachers, knowledge is our game. But we sell our mothers for 15 minutes of fame. Not gonna teach forever. Gonna get showbiz a try. Try! I didn't think it was physically possible, but this both sucks and blows. That's fame! <laughs> Mercy. Good evening. Our old friend Noah Webster defines laughter as the act or sound of laughing. <laughs> well illustrated, Nelson. And now, fasten your funny bones for groundskeeper, oh, or should I say grinskeeper. No, I'm sorry, groundskeeper was correct. Willie! <laughs> I love that joke. And they remembered that he says, oh, mercy, yeah, for the though, first time in like two years. And that he flubs lines, though. That That's not really what Grinskeeper is about. That's my favorite joke in the episode, it's, it's, honestly. It's very Skinnery. And it was they were uh, careful to point out it's a faculty talent show. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it was very nice of them to still invite uh, Willie and Otto on stage for the song about being <laughs> teachers. I, I think they were just running so low on faculty. Yeah. Like, there's, there's only three teachers at the school. And there was one uh, previously unseen teacher, but apparently this is based on uh, there was a faculty talent show when Mike Scully was in school. That's oh, crazy. God. And the closest thing that happened to me that's similar to this was in like maybe third or fourth grade, uh, there was a, a reading of A Christmas Carol and all the teachers were playing parts and oh. uh, everyone got a laugh because the crankiest teacher, I believe her name was Mrs. Berkey, and yes, that's hilarious, <laughs> she played Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, man. Yeah. That, she was brought down the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, boy, I, I didn't get any performances. I mean, we had assemblies that like teachers hosted, but that it wasn't them acting out the the closest i got was in high school there was like the teachers played against each other in a softball game which really just went two innings before they're like look that's the end of the we're not playing nine innings of softball <laughs> i like the idea of just giving up like that you you saw it right it was good <laughs> you you understand well the the biggest joke was that there was a gym teacher who was uh quite old and overweight and but which made it funny enough that he was the gym teacher but when he actually got a hit the joke was that he had a golf cart that drove him to first base and they they really did it uh, they didn't make him run oh jeez. <laughs> uh so but yeah no no talent shows i my 
Florida suburban teachers, I think, were more into playing playing softball than uh, singing fame together. I'm kind of curious why the Simpsons, why anyone's at this event. It seems horrible. Like I, I was waiting for a gag about like, oh, and this is 10 percent of your grade or something like that. Because like, why on earth would anyone show up to this? I guess yeah. Springfield yeah. doesn't have a culture scene, so <laughs> should have been something about attendance being mandatory or <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, these these talent shows or that is for charity or something. Yeah, I would, I would think these talent shows work during school hours where it's forced attendance and they just take the classes there. But yeah, this is like every parent got dressed up and came yes. to it. Also, the budget of the show is incredible. I think Skinner wasted all the basic assistance grant money on this. <laughs> <laughs> and that sign. They they go to all the trouble of having a giant backdrop. Like it's that's a joke of that's edutainment. Uh, I do love I do love the Grinskeeper jokes about Edinburgh versus North Edinburgh, which is just like, it's just exactly that's that silly stand-up comedy gag, but nobody gets it until he starts cursing at them. They were there for insult comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a great gag about how you can't do local, co- like, how yeah. local jokes don't play and his are so specific but it's all he's got when i lived in southern california for about a year i finally got all the jokes about the various streets you hear <laughs> reference so often pico and cohenga now yeah. i make sense i understand <laughs> uh and uh, i as a kid i or as a teen i did like bart's pronouncement that it both sucks and blows it can do <laughs> within the same act somebody says this sucks or you suck oh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's not their smartest i just got the pacing of the statement of like or should i say a greenskeeper no it's groundskeeper <laughs> just I've, i i've taken that in my own life skinner but, feels yeah. more like a classic skinner to me which i like he's a bit different in scully's years and i i like too that skinner just leaves the pyramid to say his lines and just lets chalmers fall and doesn't <laughs> seem to care at all i do love the krabappel bat gag coming up here it's so oh, disturbing man. it's yeah. so well Such animated a- too yes the animators are really enjoying animating a striptease, that's for sure. I, right before that, I did want to say, what is it about South Edinburgh golfers? Is that they are short and have to, they have short arms? Mm. Or I, I mean, you could go blue and say they have to put their legs far apart because they have large testicles. <laughs> I'd go for that. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, works for me. And Willie knows the stand-up code of like, whatever got the big laugh, just leave. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do love after bombing. He's like, "You've been great." <laughs> the Simpsons will be right back. Thanks for listening to this week's episode instead of watching Dateline NBC. And a big thank you to our guest, Steven Sadak, for coming on again. And you guys should all be checking out their podcast, We Hate Movies. And if you're on the West Coast, please check out some of their live shows that they're doing right now. As for this podcast, you can support Talking Simpsons by going to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you enjoy this podcast and want to hear every episode a week ahead of time and ad-free, five bucks will get you that as well as early access to our what a cartoon podcast which we do every week on top of talking simpsons plus you'll get to hear all of our patreon exclusive podcast interviews exclusive episodes and our many mini series including our current one talking futurama season two part one where we're going through the first 10 episodes of the second season of Futurama. You definitely want to check that out. Just five bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons.
And if you want to support Patreon for this adorable little puppy, then you really want to go to the $10 and up level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons at the premium level. You get all that stuff I just talked about for five bucks plus our monthly What a Cartoon movie podcast where we talk about a different animated feature film once a month. This October we did the Nightmare Before Christmas for all the Halloween thrills and chills and that's just the most recent one. Over four hours sometimes these can last and you can hear all the back catalog if you sign up now for 10 bucks a month that's batman mask of the phantasm kiki's delivery service aladdin cowboy bebop the movie beavis and butthead do america tiny tunes how i spent my vacation and tons more you want to hear all those you got to sign up for the ten dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons And uh, Edna's posing in her burlesque balloon dance. They had a lot of fun with that. I, I looked up a couple of burlesque balloon dances, and the uh, I always wonder, like, well, what happens when you run out of balloons, or what is it? And at least the ones that are on YouTube, eventually you you lose enough balloons, and it's like, okay, let's just take off the harness, and I'm in a bikini. <laughs> let's just skip to that. Part. Nothing is sexier than the phrase balloon harness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the balloons aren't literally like glued to you and in that case you after you pop them you have parts of balloons stuck to you so it's just the losing the balloons is actually seemingly less sexy than it would appear to be you do want some protection between the balloons and the rest of your body i would hope <laughs> oh it must kind of yeah you you'd be in danger of popping them i i don't think they normally pop with a cigarette is that a kerbopple touch i think that's i like that yes yeah and also though like the animators draw her too sexy for the joke to be that everyone's grossed out. I think. That's what I, yeah, I kind of agree with that totally. And especially when like Comer's like, oh, I had to see her butt. I'm like, wouldn't you be, I don't know, she looks like a pretty good looking woman. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's she's not as young as she used to be, but I would think they would have wanted to see her butt. Yeah. It, that bit doesn't work. They need an uglier person to be doing it, I think. Well, how old is she supposed to be? I mean, is this before or after her and Skinner get together? It's uh during. Yeah, during. yeah. this is after they've they've gotten together. I think I think she's supposed to be read as late 40s i'd say okay but the body i mean the body they gave her in this sequence like she has stayed in shape <laughs> yeah <I'm> like, yeah <laughs> she's doing great yeah, yeah. They, they should welcome seeing her butt though she should go to jail for she's exposing herself to <laughs> minors like yes <laughs> she is committing a crime live on stage <laughs> why you go to these things to see the crime <laughs> Uh, and speaking of crimes, it's a crime against comedy. Uh, Skinner and Chalmers doing Abbott and Costello in their next clip. This is great Skinner stuff, too. Well, Seymour, it seems we put together a baseball team. And I was wondering, who's on first? Yes, not the pronoun, but rather a player with the unlikely name of who <laughs> is on first. Yes, well, that's just great, Seymour. We've been out here six seconds. You've already managed to blow the routine. Sexless freak. (laughs) (laughs) Well, seems as though we're just about at the halfway point, so why don't we call it intermission? (laughs) Don't go too far. If you like cafeteria workers in beetle wigs with tennis racket guitars, you won't want to miss the second half. (laughs) You drive, I eat. Dad, you were supposed to pay for those snacks. I saw Krabappel's butt, I paid. 
Yeah, again, he didn't. Uh, he should welcome seeing her butt. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but God, beetle wigs and tennis racket guitars. Oh. Love that descriptor. God, perfect. you can feel how uncomfortable that would be. <laughs> I imagine it'd be like a medley of Beatles songs, not just one. Yeah, they'd transition between them. <laughs> that reminds me of every year at college, the RAs would put on some sort of a show, and every year I successfully skipped it. Oh, and I nice. feel like that's exactly what would have what it would have been. Yeah, it uh, at a certain level, seeing a show of friends is like a responsibility not a, a uh, an enjoyment thing <laughs> it's one thing if you're seeing a play or a whatever or someone's a legitimate musical act any kind of review you could keep me way the fuck out <laughs> of i have no interest in your review participation you know steven i think you guys would sell even more tickets if you promise beetle impersonations on stage <laughs> That's, there are four of us uh <laughs> exactly. so there's that it's easy to do but we won't sell that anymore. more many more tickets you, you got to call paul now steven before anybody else <laughs> <laughs> Though actually, you know, if you advertised you'd be playing Beatles music live, you'd probably get shut down. Or that oh, would... pretty quickly. <laughs> they burn the theater down. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's also weird he's calling Skinner a sexist freak when he's like, he's been with Edna long enough, they should know he's no longer a virgin, I would think. <laughs> kind of? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's freaks is, is a very specific and mean joke that <laughs> almost works. I like, too, when he's exiting the stage, the extra animation, like he's swinging his bat angrily as he <laughs> Yeah. The stage. I like uh, these driving scenes shows how Marge's politeness is incompatible with just what you need to do to be a driver. This was me for my first few years driving. I, I didn't get my license. I think me and you were both late licenses people in that I got yeah. it at 18. Uh, I think I was 19. And yeah. uh, and I only did it from peer pressure of like, you don't know how to drive. How to... But living in suburban Florida, I did need to learn how to drive to get and do anything. But this was how I was for many years of just being very anxious of like no no if i change lanes something bad will happen or i i'll just let this person go and uh i actually uh on my first driving test i did i wasn't turning right on and so it was in this parking lot and they're like all right let's turn out into traffic for your next part of the test okay and it's a you know turn right on red kind of situation but i wanted to wait for the green and then there were people behind me honking of like, you can turn right, just do it. And so oh then eventually the pressure got to me so much that I just turned right without looking. Oh, no. And a car had to barely dodge me and get out of the lane. Uh, then my driving test person was like, okay, you're going to pull back into the parking lot right now. <laughs> you know what you just did? I was like, um, no. She shows you're shaking hands. <laughs> yes. Uh, at, uh, that was probably a story for her for a long time, yeah. I think. Whenever I go home, I haven't driven in, in about seven years, like regularly, but when I go home, uh, I drive for a few days and it's like a Disneyland ride. It's like, I can do this all the time. <laughs> when you don't have to do it, it's kind of fun to do it just for a few days a year. Your, no, your story, Henry, is exactly why I've never driven. I feel like I just, I'm a 36-year-old man and I feel like I'm never going to get behind the wheel of a car because that would happen <laughs> you've you've made it this far as long as yeah long i'll as be you, all right as long as you don't leave the what? tri-state area exactly and now, now i've I, I tricked my wife into driving so that works <laughs> out <laughs> uh that paid off man mm -hmm, it did uh but yes marge is certainly stressed driving whoopsie mm, this could take a minute there's an opening mom i don't know i i hate to change lanes once i get going that's really for race car drivers. Mom, to your left. He's letting you in. Go! Come on, Mom. Turn it, woman! Down. No, no. As soon as I get over, that lane will stop moving. Irma Bombeck said so, and Dave Barry agrees. Oh, you 
stuck, Marge. <laughs> Come on, move it, you clowns! What in blazes? That is the return of the Canyon Arrow, the beloved Canyon Arrow, which took over the ending of a season nine episode. Yeah, I'm glad they remembered it. It's a good uh, if, if they need a go to for an SUV, that's your go to. And that Krusty's still driving it. They made sure it was like Krusty is still driving the free Canyon Arrow he got <laughs> in Last Temptation of Crust. Krusty attending this local grade school faculty talent <laughs> show. That does seem odd. I do think, yeah, it is kind of a neat uh, bit of continuity there that you don't get super often, which is like, this is the thing that he got at this episode and now he's using it. You know what I mean? It's yes. an, it is a nice little uh, decal for the episode too. Yeah, and, and what on earth are, is he doing there? Come on, man. <laughs> Unless he's cutting through the parking lot to do something else maybe he was like huffing something in the back of the parking lot he was there, there for the kerbopple show i think uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's a good idea <laughs> and then the car like sort of like bucks and whinnies over the horizon yeah uh i love that yeah impossible acting on the car and then homer is just saying canyon arrow catchphrases out loud he's he's almost like turned on by the canyon arrow it is a kind of a nice one too it feels like it's gonna be a homer episode but it's not mm-hmm. kind of a thing yeah homer's interest in it is uh yeah. you think he's gonna just take it over and so it makes marge's tim in this scene just like an interesting scene not set up which makes it work even better as set up it seems a little harsh that homer says you suck marge yeah. that's a little mean don't tell your wife she sucks he's not sometimes you get good homer husband this is not good homer husband he's making her drive just to eat not like he has uh what i'll call a disability is not knowing how to drive like i do <laughs> no, but uh he's got yeah he, he can drive he refuses to he says she sucks Later yeah. on, he steals from her. It's not good, Homer. Husband. I say, uh, punch up your insults if you're going to insult <laughs> your partner. Yes, uh, yeah. second draft. <laughs> Friend of the show, Mike Scully is great, but his his seasons are not the best Homer uh, husband acting seasons. For sure. <laughs> I also like Marge is very mom inciting Irma Bombeck and Dave Barry columns as fact. Like I I love that. There's nothing better than a milk toast Dave Barry uh, gr- like or just making fun of Dave Perry Dave Barry for being milk toast. What the mm-hmm. Simpsons love to do. So yes, Homer heads down to the uh, OK Car Rail to uh, to buy a Canyon Arrow. We get a much more down to earth Gil. He's sort of back to where he was in uh, his debut episode, where he is conceivably a real businessman, not this desperate lunatic. Yes, yeah, and, and a somewhat employable Gil. Yeah, at least uh, this also though has one of his lowest moments, I think. Too. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, but yes, Homer is shopping for a Canyon Arrow, and Gil seemingly gets lucky. <laughs> Go ahead, drool all you want. You can't hurt that finish now. Rainwater, that'll strip it right off. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'm um, Gil. Hey, a red one. <laughs> Can I buy that, please? Well, you, if you... Uh, really? What? Hot, hot dog! A sale! <laughs> I'll take it from here, Gil. <laughs> no, wait. Ah, oh, no, you can't take my sale. My wife's going to leave me if I don't start bringing in the green. Come on, let me have this one, Stan. I'm begging you. Look at me. I'm begging you, Stan. Mm-hmm. Let's go write this up, shall we? <laughs> Honey, you should have seen me with my last customer. I No, but I came so close. This guy was... Uh, Whose voice is that? Is that Fred? 
Oh, you said it was over. No, don't put him on it. Hello, Fred. Hi. <laughs> Good. I think everywhere he works, he's doomed to work with an Alec Baldwin type who just pushes yes. him around. Yeah. I mean, that that I'm begging you scene, that is uh, very similarly posed even of the end of Glengarry Glen Ross where he's begging Kevin Spacey's character not to reveal that he stole, that he faked something. I forget exactly, but he's he's so, so sad in that moment. Shelly is. I do love anytime you can get Gil into an episode where it makes sense and he's just doing the bad salesman thing. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love the journey you go on in that clip yes. all the way to the end of him. Him and his uh, his wife's lover where he's like so he, – he, he can't even be mean to him. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, just the social pressure of like, well, I have to be friendly on the phone. Like, and the uh, rotary cell phone he has. Oh, God, yes, yeah. And that, oh, the rotary. Uh, well, I like – like that this is like two joke tropes in the show meeting each other because in the world of the simpsons gill must always fail but in the world too homer cannot say no to buying something no matter how awful the salesman is homer is the perfect consumer so homer would have to buy something from gill no matter how bad gill is is at it so that's why they have to give an extra reason for gill getting screwed out of the sale for no reason that guy can't take his sale but he just so easily he he knows Gil folds in, so he's like, "Oh, you got to sale. Hey, uh, I'm finishing this sale, Gil. Like it's mine. <laughs> you get you get none of the. Uh, I guess they work commission. Commission. Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 such a brutal moment where he just takes it from him. It's oh, so rude. God. Oh yeah, the one thing I do remember about leasing that SUV is just like it was the cheapest thing, so I was going to still get it no matter what. And the guy was still trying to talk me into it when I agreed with it. <laughs> and one of the things he told me, he was a very stereotypical car salesman, and he says this thing was going to get you laid uh, and i in my head i was like well i really doubt that yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, nice try buddy i'll mess that up now one of my only interactions with this car salesman when i got a car uh was with a guy named chuck who was a lot of those stereotypes too but what i remember most is on his forearm was tattooed the word chuck which i'm like why is your own name tattooed on you i really want to know that story that is really something was it was it like a big gothic kind of script or what are we talking it looked like a signature actually like in cursive oh. it was so strange I, i'll never know i'm sure he's dead now <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was like a Don Draper situation uh, and he stole somebody <laughs> named Chuck's identity and he, to really sell it. It's like, no, no, my tattoo right here is, clearly says I'm Chuck. Someone named Chuck would have that written down. <laughs> <laughs> I just love his exclamation like, hot dog, a sale, like the one time he's ever been happy on the show. Mike Scully reveals on the commentary that the names of the other salesmen on the board are all of his best friends from high school. Aw, so, very nice. nice. And his family appears with him in this uh, episode too. Uh, almost too much, Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> so then we get the scene of Homer being upsold all of the bullshit at the dealership, which this is like so soon after Cruddy Sunday's clear code and stem lube gag. So yeah. it feels like the writing staff were buying a lot of new cars and were pissed <laughs> off at all the, the bullshit about it. I think that's what they mentioned on a previous commentary was that uh, all the writers were going through like midlife crisis and buying new cars Yeah, around <laughs> the makes... uh, mid to late 90s. It also sort of, I mean, the whole, uh, all the language 
language about payments and all that stuff and then later him cashing in his 401k it's kind of like oddly prescient of the housing bubble kind of you know what yeah. i mean like all of these middle middle class people just getting bamboozled uh, uh buying things that they desperately do not need Actually, on the commentary, George Meyer says this predicted the housing uh, subprime mortgage crisis. Nobody laughs, and then there's silence on the commentary for a while. Well, that crippling balloon payment is what fucked over a lot of homeowners. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, they told us. They warned us. But uh, though I'm sure another recession will never happen again. The important thing is all those people are in jail now. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Everybody got their just desserts. Thankfully, the country is fixed, and we'll never be uh, preyed on again. Mm. (laughs) Uh, I love Homer's perfect response to that, too. Like, but that's in a while, right? Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's me filling up every uh, college student loan that i have it's like oh yeah sure no but that's that's like later on when i'm a millionaire okay that's fine i was like uh 2009 is so far away (laughs) uh by then i'll be the next steven spielberg and i won't have to worry about that stuff (laughs) yeah what's what's a couple of grand what's a couple of 10 grands against uh millions of dollars yeah Uh, anyway, uh, Homer is so proud of his new car for about one hour, and uh, then toxic masculinity rears its ugly head. <laughs> Sorry, Homer. We thought you were one of those hot-to-trot soccer moms. Yeah, you don't see many men driving the F-Series. Huh? See? Instead of a cigarette lighter, it's got a lipstick holder. <gasps> oh, crap! It's a girl's car! I can't drive this! Oh, sure you can, doll face. <laughs> Pretty thing like you can do whatever she wants. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Screw you guys! <laughs> Lousy, serious, frilly, girly, fruity car. <laughs> Where's your keys? I'm taking your car to work. You cashed in your 401k to buy that stupid canyon arrow. Why can't you drive it? Are you saying I'm gay? Because if that's what you think, then just come right out and say it. I don't think you're gay. I just have to do my grocery shopping. Now, please, give me my keys. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good at hot-wiring that car. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) All of the gadgetry inside the Canyon Arrow reminds me of the last car that I had was, I believe, from like 2005 or 2006, so old the car was. So whenever I get into a car that's now like 13 years uh, newer, I'm amazed by all of the gadgets that would make me a much better driver now. Like all of the cameras and the sensors. (laughs) Oh, the backing up cameras? Oh, it's amazing. Like There's like a holograph of your car it projects and it shows you where to go. (laughs) It's it's, it's incredible. The self-driving car is around the corner. That would make me another, that would make me a driver i think the mm-hmm. self-driving car i'm Me for too. it it'll kill some people but you know what omelets are, eggs you know how it works it'll, yeah it'll kill people it'll destroy the trucking industry but it'll be a safer driving thing i mean people are dying already from car wrecks so it's like yeah it's, it, would you rather a robot do it or a drunk driver do it like, which, <laughs> uh but yes the the all those truckers being unemployed that that won't be good that'll probably be bad and they're but, big and mean yeah <laughs> they exactly. are they're gonna get rowdy once they get unemployed i do love the idea of Lenny and Carl cat calling a car not knowing who's inside of it the idea that it's a, it's a lady car therefore it has to be a lady therefore it has to be an attractive lady <laughs> and a hot to trot soccer mom especially they, for sure they're looking to get with a soccer mom Lenny and Carl are but it's such a funny idea too of the upscaling of the idea of you're riding a girl's bike don't you see where the bar uh, is yeah. or whatever yes. yeah. it's like who can, a bike's a bike but obviously the last thing 
an American boy wants to be called is a girl. Like that would be the worst. Oh God. Let alone uh, Homer Simpson. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's an amazing turn for this episode, and also like it's a one of the weirder things. Like, do you think I'm gay? Which yes. is, seems very un Simpsons to me. I do like that Homer says it while holding a purse. In uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah, I guess we don't see any more of the feminine features in this car after Marge takes over. I wish there yeah. was more jokes about that. I guess that's why there is a woman's voice talking to yeah. him in it. But uh, I also Homer driving off would just screw you guys. Uh, just feels like very not witty and just real. Like just the yeah. real reaction. I'm also surprised that they even bothered to have Marge reference how Homer could possibly afford to buy a new car, but it's because he cashed out his 401k for it, which I mean, uh, Burns probably would have invested that in a hedge fund anyway and lost all the money. So I, I think Homer ended up on the better part of that. Yeah. Time. Yeah. We don't have pensions anymore. We just gamble. We're just gambling. <laughs> We're having fun. It's all uh, about choices. We all have choices now. And uh, it also is very season 10 Homer calling her a sucker as he drives away <laughs> stealing her Sucker car. is like the uh, end of scene word in many of these episodes. <laughs> you have to punctuate a scene with sucker. Yeah. And uh, yes, there's a very accurate looking undercarriage view of the SUV as Marge approaches it. I really like that. I have to laugh at the idea that Homer would ever buy, like they couldn't write a script where Homer buys Marge a car as a gift. It would only be a gift he (laughs) buys himself and casts it off to her. That's how she'd end up with her own SUV. And it takes like that long to get Marge in her own car to start the plot too. Yeah, or she or she decided to get another car or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, no, it has to be Homer is the, is literally the vehicle to get you where you need to go. I mean, Marge won't even buy another pair of shoes, so it's hard to. Make <laughs> That's the, also true. Marge buys a blank episode. Uh, and yeah, it's it's honestly kind of heartwarming to see how happy Marge is to feel wanted by her car, just feel like she has a a space that's hers. That. Rem- Reminds me of classic David M. Stern writing of his his more feminine stories. It's true, yeah. Famous for his Patty and Selma stories. Mm-hmm. That, well, that line when she punches into the GPS, the very new idea of a GPS. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, when you know where do you want to go and she says no one's ever asked me that before it's just a classic killer sad Marge line oh, it's yeah. really funny it's all our dreams are coming true yeah I, I love uh, I could not even like function without GPS now I remember no the way. days of me printing out map quest instructions and then writing them larger on an index card that oh, I would wow. put on my dashboard <laughs> wow yeah I you know I should have done that I just had map quest things but I'd usually have another person uh to read them to me or whatever during my big road trip i'd be like what exit is it which one thinking well, about having that without a like just a, a phone in your hand that says that is is crazy talk now even for walking around i mean i have no sense of direction another reason why i'm not a driver um <laughs> is when i would meet people in my 20s like uh at parties or whatever and like oh we're going down to this really cool place in brooklyn or whatever i would print out a map quest as to how to get there and like I, even up, up to and including like the early 10s when i before i got a smartphone it's like oh wow it's like a, it's like all my printed maps are right here <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, uh, I don't know how I even get around my town without it now I'm just like yeah I need to go up that way I could just it was a thing I hated driving it was another of my many like driving anxieties which was I'd have to drive someplace new for the first time once I drove to a place for the first time I would be fine driving to it eight million times but any new place I had to drive to would fill me with dread even if it was like a good new restaurant I'd rather drive to a bad restaurant i'd been to dozens of times then try to figure out how to drive to a new place 
Yeah, so like uh, Uber and Lyft are two companies that shouldn't exist. They are just uh, founded on lies and they don't make any money. But I can't take taxis anymore. I've had too many bad taxi experiences. I probably talked about a few of them here. But what drives me nuts about a taxi is they all have GPSs, but only half the people will use them. I've been taken to the wrong city before twice. Jesus. (laughs) And I've had people get mad at me for not knowing directions. Like there's a GPS in your dashboard. Yeah, I see. That is my number one pet peeve and why I too, uh, unfortunately, do not use taxis. I do use those horrendous services because, yes, they do not use the GPS. And, yes, I do get yelled at for not knowing where I'm going when you are the driver. That's kind of your gig, man. Like, yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's a thing that I can't abide is like getting into an argument with a taxi driver, either he him thinking he knows where he's going or asking me how to get there. It's like, no, 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 no. This is all on you. Well, because they're extra pushy as know-it-all in my experience, too, especially if you get picked up at the airport and you're like, can I go here? And they, they if they don't know where you're going, it's just like, well, I clearly got off an airport, an airplane. I'm not a local. I don't know. Well, that's, uh, that's where I'll get into this kind of super aggressive conversation <laughs> at the upfront I'm like, hey, I need to go to this place. Do you know where that is? And the guy will, will either be like, yeah, sure, or what? And if, once he, once he says what, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. not playing this game. <laughs> is uh, Bart and Lisa enter the car? Lisa does what her main job is in seasons nine through twelve, which is to say facts that then Bart does a joke about. Like <laughs> she's, I think they were kind of getting tired of Lisa being the uh, the fact checker on jokes, but that's her job in this next clip. But mom, I rented sport utility vehicles are more likely to be involved in fatal accidents. Fatal to the people in the other car. Let's roll. Hang on. The manual says I need to log on to the onboard computer. M-A-R-G-E. Hello, Marge. Where would you like to go today? <gasps> no one has ever asked me that before in my life. Well, that's a first. I've never been able to fit 32 grocery bags into one car before. Why is Courtney Love on the Wheaties box? Hmm, I thought it was Sandy Duncan. Yeah, the Lisa... Well, the thing Lisa cites was... I looked up some research only from the early 2000s about safety studies with SUVs. And uh, Lisa and Bart are both right, at least for then, from what I saw, which is, quote, The average SUV poses nearly twice the risk to drivers of other vehicles as do the average midsize and large car. Mm, Interesting. Yeesh. And I think this episode was inspired by some article at the time uh, stating that women experience road rage more often than men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I mean, they have to deal with, uh, they. I think a lot of suburban wives have to uh, stifle a lot of emotions yeah. that then would come out on in the car. Now, look, I'm just a man saying this about women and yes. their dumb feelings, but that's what I... <laughs> what with their hair and rollers uh, holding a rolling pin? <laughs> In their well, house coats. They also have to deal with Lenny and Carl catcalling them because they're in girl cars. Like, it, it's not a good experience no matter what. <laughs> uh, well, and I think that fact Bart shares also went to the general belief that, like, the SUV drivers are selfish and deadly on top of driving around a wasteful car, that they're driving a car that, that we, when everybody, if everybody were to drive the same type of car, then it's the same amount of risk for everybody. But when you're in this taller, tougher car, it, it's more likely, especially 
especially like in, if you're hitting a midsize car, you're closer to their windshield than you are if you're your bumpers are just hitting each other like it's just very very dangerous that was actually i i had i totally forgot this happened to me i totaled a car hitting an suv uh oh which gosh the cops said it was their fault so this is not me just lying uh, uh covering for myself but it was <laughs> uh they had to yield on left but they're like nah we're going left and so i hit into the side of them when they were going left my no one was hurt one friend had a little nagging like shoulder pain but that was it he's dead now (laughs) (laughs) um but my honda uh civic was totaled and their suv was like kind of dented on the side and it was just uh it was a frustrating thing too uh though i'm glad nobody was hurt but like so yes i have uh i'm one of those statistics right there of it (laughs) being more dangerous for the other driver than the suv did you get a lot of cash out of there not so much Uh, I I used it to uh, to move to Berkeley. So this Uh, podcast, if that SUV wasn't so dangerous, I might not have been able to afford to move out here. So in a way, it was a gift. I think of this jo- the grocery bag joke too. Whenever I'm walking home with two bags from Trader Joe's, I'm like, "This is heavy." This, I I wish I had a Canyon Arrow. You need a wagon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I mean it, I do I do love uh, there's sort of this Rubish Marge uh, comparison where she's like I, I love her being impressed by things that are, are pretty impressive but not that impressive. Like um, in the episode of Bart Sells His Soul, where it's like uh, street signs indoors, whatever you know. It's like it's it's akin to that, which I kind of love. It's it's sweet. It just shows how small her life is. So she's yeah. tickled yes. by very mundane things. And also that she's never heard of Courtney Love and only knows Sandy Duncan. Yeah. So, which, uh, boy, they have uh, they have a little dark joke on the commentary that they keep putting her into the death pool. Inexplicably uh, still alive. Still with us, yeah. She's... Uh, oh, knock on wood, remember? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, shit. I gotta play the anti-death jingle now yeah. after saying this. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't dead yet. <laughs> okay we're safe i she has definitely had her ups and downs and definitely she herself has done some crappy stuff in her life i will say though i looked into what the most recent news on courtney love is and i give it a thumbs up one is that uh, she's planning a whole reunion tour there that seems like they're uh, rehearsing but two uh she's shitting on the sackler family and the the causers of the opioid crisis like, oh good yeah i think she's like a victim of like a lot of i mean she's not a great person uh as noticed noted by her daughter but she's a victim of a lot of casual misogyny and like mm-hmm. bizarre uh conspiracy theories where she had to have killed her super depressed drug addict husband yeah. like that's the only way it could have happened is if she actually murdered that guy it's like, not really yeah i and i think especially with courtney love with you can make all these you know junky rock star jokes with her that you would make with other so many junky rock stars like yeah. i don't know scott wyland if you want to pick one that yeah. guy but but he no one makes fun of him for having too much sex or being dirty or whatever that that's just for courtney love which i i don't like what that reveals but i yeah the the most recent news about her that i found was that uh joss sackler who's like a fashionista who's married into the Sackler family. To, she was like, I'll pay you $100,000, Courtney, if you let me go to your fashion show. And then Courtney Love publicly was like, this fucking opioid killer wants to come to my <laughs> show. Fuck you, That's Sackler awesome. family. I like, like hearing yeah. that. Yes, uh, they should be executed by the state, the Sacklers. <laughs> yeah. That's my and stance. Just, just always shame those people. Mm. 
Publicly <laughs> shame them when you can. And everybody should get $500 from them in the redistribution of their money, I think. It'll happen. <laughs> 2020. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if Bernie ran on that, I'd be, I'd be even more vociferous in his <laughs> corner. But, uh, but yes, as they are about to take the evergreen terrace turn off, which it made me laugh that that has its own off-ramp from behind. It's a very <laughs> important location in this world. They have another thing that gives me anxiety from grocery purchases, which is ice cream melting. It's mm. just such a, I just worry, like, if I take it too long is the ice cream melting will it will i put it back in the freezer and then it refreezes and it tastes worse in that that terrible situation well every time i buy ice cream it turns into i hear the 24 uh the 24 <laughs> countdown in my head about how long i have to get this home uh and uh yes bart uh is like a marksman with whipped cream hitting uh, lisa in the face with it over and over there and uh, as the pressure is mounting in the car bart is able to convince marge to do the wrong thing Mom, just cut across the field. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't seem right. Do you want to spend your whole life doing what's right? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Can you know? You the man, Mom. Out of my way, nature. And before that, I remembered that uh, Hans Molman appears in his gremlin that yes. we saw yes. in uh, Terra at 10, 10 and a half feet or whatever that was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to torture Hans Molman in a car. That's the perfect <laughs> choice there. But he didn't explode, which surprised me. Like, <laughs> no one died in this uh, road rage incident. I do love her calling him grandma, telling him to use the gas. It's just a great little <laughs> dig at poor Hans Molman. Uh, and I, I wanted to play that clip to the end because only in this time did i catch that marge yeah. is singing along to canyonero it's not I loud enough it. in the mix i want to hear more it of could Julie. be turned up a little more yeah it's true i should have remixed it have. <laughs> but yeah this uh, first act is half the show it's like 10 minutes long it's really long yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also interesting uh you got hank williams jr doing that uh the canyonero song i think he do- i don't know if it's a reprise or if they got him back in for it but they also made fun of him in the soccer episode so it's kind of fun to use him use him both ways yeah, oh that's yeah. right yeah <laughs> i think they he's definitely credited on this one but i think it was just replaying the music yeah, yeah. but yeah i like hearing the song come back like it shows how much the writers loved that song they're like we got to do another SUV episode just to play the Canyonero song it does take over the end of that episode you're right it pushes its way back in and uh, you know 18 months after this episode aired the release of Simpsons Road Rage the video game oh. you better believe Marge is driving the Canyonero in it's, that game it's gotta happen uh, we are stealing the crazy taxi engine and using it for our own purposes oh believe me there was a lawsuit and they lost <laughs> Uh, that's why you can't play that game. Uh, that'll never get an HD re-release. Maybe Hit and Run. It better. Maybe get. I guess it's up to Disney now if they want to re-release it. They don't know they own it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you play Road Rage, and like it just is Crazy Taxi. It's just pure theft. But worse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Hit and Run's a better game. Though, then again, Bob, a stolen crazy taxi game beats Simpsons skateboarding, Simpsons wrestling any day. Oh, yeah. 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 But that's a better move, though, is just literally just use an engine that makes sense and license it to the Simpsons. You know what I mean? Like, Crazy Taxi presents, you know, Simpsons Road Rage. I'm playing that game. It's great. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It makes more sense to try to do something whole cloth for The Simpsons, which doesn't make a ton of sense. I wonder if we'd have gotten this that game 
game without this episode, mm. you know? Interesting. That's a good call. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I suppose the pitch of reskin Crazy Taxi with Simpsons is still an easy one to make, whether Marge drives the Canyon Arrow or not, but this episode's all about road rage, so I, I wonder. Uh, so we come back from break for the very short middle act of the show. Uh, <laughs> Bart becomes Baron Von Chicken Pants, which feels very first draft, but it does feel like something a little kid would joke about. Something stupid Bart would say. I do like Lisa's uh, Bart used my own words against me yes. sort of retort. <laughs> Mom, First Bar- of all, is he free balling in that or is there underwear? He's because got underwear. He's free balling. Okay, good. Because we're going to the hospital if not. So, I yes. mean, that's just chicken it looks on like, your genitals. I'm not dealing with it. <laughs> it looks like an already cooked chicken, though. The color, like okay. the little chicken hairs on it, too. It looks like a purchased rotisserie chicken, maybe. Okay, so that's better. All right, I, I saw that totally different, and I'm glad that I was wrong. Though, honestly, Bart, you know, Bart is a big 10-year-old. That looks more like a turkey, the size of it. Like, <laughs> that's a big chicken that Marge got. I guess she's got to feed a family of four with one chicken, so you got to get a big one. But, yeah, I love Lee. He says, Mom, Bart took what I said and turned it into an insult. (laughs) And as a man who likes his snacks, I can definitely identify with Homer's excitement of finding a a rare snack thing. The three three chambered peanut. I don't think I've ever seen one of those, but I don't eat many peanuts. A double peanut M&M will will cause me to almost call my wife. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Call the factory. (laughs) <laughs> that is that is the perfect uh comparison yeah i think the only other one i can think of here is like the the onion ring among fries uh, that you get at a fast food oh. place uh but yes homer is shocked and he's coming to marge but she's not listening a three-chambered peanut marge look what i did come quick hurry marge marge Marge, you've been out there all morning. So? So lying on the couch and eating stuff isn't the same if you aren't around to see it. Aw, come watch you do nothing after I try out my new high-intensity halogen headlights. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody will ever cut me off again. Oh, please come in. Maggie smells bad and the cat wants something, but I don't know what. (laughs) I'm almost done. And tell Bart to get out of my purse. And then Homer also robs from Marge's <laughs> uh, purse. I love how the I could just gift that of just them excitedly moving their hands through her purse. <laughs> it's so great. I love I love that the halogen lights go right through the house. And just, I, I love the conversation that has to happen where it's like, you shouldn't do that. And he's like, but there's money in here. Like, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> it's great. All happens very quickly. Yeah, I, I like that it's silent, though, because she can't hear it through the walls. So that's uh, a lesser show would have just been like, eh, let's just hear it, have him talk. But Oh, uh, I have to apologize. The Hans Molman scene is actually next. Uh, I thought right, it was yes. previously. Oh, oh, right. Oh, and uh, Lisa has a very impressive chokehold on Bart when the halogen lights are turned back on. I'm glad Bart put on clothes to start uh, looting through the purse again, too. <laughs> Homer, too, his line makes it clear that he is completely useless without Marge. Snowball, too, should just be dead at this point i'm shocked <laughs> i do i love that he's hitting his food bowl against the wall it's just <laughs> such a good jet yeah and homer doesn't understand why a baby would smell bad it just <laughs> it doesn't connect in his brain uh, and yeah you get a nice little bit there marge celebrating her new aggressiveness like nobody's gonna cut me off it like she feels finally empowered for the first time in her life and really great overhead camera animation of her aggressive driving of just weaving in and out and even driving on the side of the road to get around somebody steven were you offended at marge's go back to new jersey 
claim. <laughs> no, I understood it. I get it. I mean, it's an easy joke. Um, I'm also a fake New Jersey. I mean, I've been living in Jersey for about seven years now, but I'm still a New Yorker at heart, and I think oh. New Jersey's still trash, except oh, for the damn. part that I happen to live in. <laughs> uh, well, I, <laughs> the part that I happen to live in and love. I, uh, I mean, now I feel bad relating you to New Jersey in that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a great it's a I, I do love like it's just a bunch of car jokes in a in a row like move it or lose it this that and the other thing go back to New Jersey's just such a great great gag uh and then in a very pre-9-11 joke marge insults a military funeral i love the joke about the coffin full of bricks yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's God. so dark because <laughs> a boy a man was lost at sea they don't have a corpse like uh and great great posing on lovejoy pointing at marge and saying like show some respect like it's it's really great and marge's scream of like the streets are for the living like <laughs> I had a Mandela effect moment where I, I could have swore there was a moment where Marge drove through the graveyard and just started hitting, hitting graves. Maybe that's what, oh, just, just what I want. That was just actually what I wanted to see. That was actually in Homer versus the 18th Amendment. Yes, yeah. When they no. drive through a graveyard to escape Rex Banner. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Bart said, uh, "Bart said it's bad luck to knock over graves." And I was like, "Oh, I'm good." <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a great line. Uh, but Marge is pulled over by the long, flabby arm of the law. off the road. The streets are for the living. Slow down, you maniac. Show some respect for this coffin full of bricks representing a young man lost at sea. Hey. Oh, great. What do I do? This better be important. Can the sweet talk, Thelma and Louise? You have a serious mental illness. The technical term is road rage. I'll see you tomorrow morning at traffic school, Speedy. And you got exactly five seconds to get out of my sight. Uh. Uh, why are the pretty ones always insane? Uh, they were on a, you know, doing these last three episodes back to back. They were on a real Wiggum run. Like, there's yeah, a lot of Wiggum yeah. in these episodes. I do love the, uh, I, it's a, such a subtle joke of you have five seconds to get out of my face. It's really good. And that it makes her drive off dangerously again. <laughs> <laughs> so Road Rage, I did read a pretty good article on Timeline.com about the history of the term Road Rage, about how, you know, there's, as long as cars have existed, there have been angry drivers, of course, but the cultural uh, and media reference to road rage it comes from los angeles and los angeles area from 87 to 88 there were a string of shootings on the road of like not just people being mad but like you were driving too slow for me i will pull out a gun and shoot you yeah i assume road rage refers to not just angry driving but getting out of your car and beating or murdering somebody yes, for yeah. their driving abilities or yeah. lack thereof and so, yeah, just it, it seems like something Tom Brokaw would be very comfortable saying. Another road rage incident. Yeah, yeah. just you yeah. can totally see it. And so, yeah, it was just a string of like violence in LA traffic from '87 to '88 that really popularized the idea. And I, I think too, because it was happening in Los Angeles, obviously a lot of the local media, it was easy to spread even more so and let people hear about it. And uh, of course, it wasn't just angry drivers or guns to blame there, but also there's a good deal of xenophobia mixed into angry uh drivers mm. who go like person x who's not american you're a bad uh. driver and i'm mad at you so that was another component of some of the road rage people would 
talk up and it's uh yeah the timeline.com article about it uh road rage in the history of los angeles like it was really informative if you want to know exactly how the term road rage became so uh to came to be popularized and now it's just an accepted like uh pseudoscience term we're all just like oh you suffer from road rage uh, a thing that's real <laughs> well, there's like a, an odd quaintness to it because of like, you know, obviously of being worried about road rage versus being worried about, say, mass shootings. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, you can uh, somebody might get into a, into a scuffle on, on the freeway as opposed to like, holy crap, at any given moment, someone <laughs> can mow down 30 to 60 people. And uh, I also think in the mid 90s, many comedy writers started getting sent to anger management courses. And so they all wrote sitcoms about hating anger management and how stupid. It is. That makes a lot of sense. That's uh, that's my guess. That's also why, or like, uh, just the idea of managing your anger was new. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> manage my anger. How <laughs> dare you? Yeah, I I think of it the same way I talked about how vasectomies came up in all these like early '90s sitcoms. I think it's because the millionaire writers on sitcoms are being told by their wives to get vasectomies so i think it's a, a similar line here uh but yes marge is sent to a class and wiggum hosts it so this whole sequence here they they reference it anyway on the commentary but you wouldn't need to even know that this is the first time they have to do an instructional video without troy mcclure even on the commentary they mention like it is missing something without him yeah i think it's why they kind of stopped doing it like i i do think the you know it's still funny, and I, I'm not against Tress McNeil's character. I think she does a really good job, but I definitely feel like the level this is written at, if these were all lines said by Troy, I'd rem- think of it as funnier just from the Phil Hartman delivery. Yeah, we'd be quoting it. I yeah, I mean, she, she's got a tough, a tall order, and like the move is for her to go less energy, which makes sense, but it's also like just harder to sell, I kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, and then it just kind of falls into like easier comedy trope of the, you know, hard harsh butch female cop as well yes yeah it's uh which at least they don't do like anything too gross with that yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah uh but yes why don't we hear the first part of the class okay i assume you all know why you're here that's right you're all angry sick people but over these next eight hours you will be broken down to the level of infants then <laughs> rebuilt as functional members of society then broken down again, then lunch, then, if there's time, rebuilt once more. Mm-hmm. All right, roll it, Lou. Hello, I'm Sergeant Crew, and I'm here to talk to you about road rage. <laughs> Duh. Quiet, fat soul, the sergeant's talking. Go on, dear. In these <laughs> modern, hectic days of fast food, answering machines and one-night stands people are getting angrier now what you're about to see is not pretty i I mean like the delivery of one-night stands i like that bit there it's a new thing in society (laughs) i do love also uh having to chalk uh uh, to write out in chalk they're the title of the thing and any kind of like visual effect might be worth it uh and i like agnes replying to the film like it got interrupted by kearney instead of continuing to play (laughs) uh and the closest they have to a joke at, like, I think her physical appearance is what you see won't be pretty. And then it just stays on her for, like, a, an extra second or so. 
Uh, and then we get the funniest bit of it, which is just yeah. cut to the many different types of raging people. And everyone is using their props. Like the judge has his gavel. <laughs> I love and, that. Uh, I've got the funniest thing from this that I always remember is the screaming, insane astronaut wielding the golf club. And this is written eight years before the famous diaper astronaut yeah. who drove cross country to confront competition for her lover at the airport and almost killed her. And did you guys know they made a movie about they, the diaper astronaut really? starring Natalie Portman. It came out this month. What? Called oh, Lucy really? in the Sky. Oh, okay. And, I, heard uh, I didn't know that was what it was about. It's about the diaper astronaut. But wow. uh, here's a quote. Wikipedia says, the film made $55,000 from 37 theaters in its opening weekend, which was called Terrible. Ooh, ouch, boy. And I saw the trailer when I saw something in the theaters, and it was really like stinky Oscar bait. Ooh, boy. That sounds like a potential We Hate Movies someday. Yeah. Diapered astronauts, I'm into it. Yeah, let's go for it. It's kind of hilarious that I do love the idea of all these different um, tropes of people, like the the people you might see on the street, like a crazy judge or an astronaut. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I do love the quote, uh, leave your murderous anger where it belongs, at home. That's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, a great button. Beat up uh, someone weaker than you. Yeah. I, <laughs> and uh, the the end on the fist reminds me of uh, the Beat Kids segment from yeah, Wonder Shows in where Beat yeah. Kids is written on the fists. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, oh, and also the... Uh, saying that you should write a threatening letter to a celebrity. That is what Twitter is. That And it does help yeah. with your anger. It's a good outlet. And then they make little uh, TV segments about it. Yeah, it's it's a nice uh, cycle. <laughs> That's a good way to become a celebrity yourself, is write a real hate to a celebrity. <laughs> uh, but yes, the film ends, and we also get to meet a friendly new bear. Anger is what makes America great. But you must find the proper outlet for your rage. Fire a weapon at your television screen. Pick a fight with someone weaker than you. Or write a threatening letter to a celebrity. So when you go out for a drive, remember to leave your murderous anger where it belongs. At home. And as if that film wasn't enough, we have a special guest. Why, it's Curtis E. Bear. The Curtis E. Bear. For the next three hours, this bear will take your verbal and physical abuse with good nature and aplomb. So if you all just grab one of these two-by-fours... Um, Chief, can I at least shield my crotch? Bears can't talk, Eddie. (laughs) You rarely get any good Eddie jokes. It's always Lou is the one who's talking. Eddie's very soft-spoken, a matter of fact. I do, I do enjoy a good Eddie bit. I like the bears can't talk. Is it really? It's just a very, very mean. Stay in character. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of uh, from this point on, no talking. <laughs> uh, it's just horrible beating, and it's going to be for three hours. I gotta think after the first hour, they're pretty tired. You, I, I've never, I mean, I've never done anger management, but I, I always wanted one of those foam bats and being able to hit somebody. That just seems oh. like a really fun thing to do. Yeah, ever since uh, the Marvin Monroe episode of Simpsons, mm. I've been wanting one of those bats. Uh, though they're they're I think they're around wiffle ball bats. You don't actually get a like steel rod like Bart got in that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know how they spend the rest. So let's say the first hour was watching that video. Three hours of beating up Eddie. Uh, then I guess the other four hours include that herbal rinse. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, Eddie's fine enough to drive home, so maybe they're just pretty weak. We can buy that movie. I think you know that might be a good idea. You get you beat him for so long that you're just like that is part of the breaking down. You just 
get so exhausted beating this bear up, you you then are ready to be remolded and then broken down and remolded again. If yeah, it's, a, it's it's all about catharsis. <laughs> uh, and yes, uh, everybody is happily leaving. We get a funny gag with Mo. You get kind of both sides of the Mo Marge interaction because he's too familiar, but also calls her Midge. Midge, a nice callback to the Midge runner. I always love when they remember that. I, yeah. I love that it's it, this is a feels like a later Mo thing where he's like secretly in love with her and always kind of trying to set up an affair, but always far too afraid to do anything about <laughs> it. Uh, I like that he overplays the classic creep move of like, well, I'm just kidding. Unless uh, you're, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Marge is yeah, very yeah. sweet. Uh, thanks. Uh, no thanks, but thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's flattered for being uh, disgustingly hit on like that. Too understanding. It, it is. It's good animation of the lo- the too long hug as well. Mm-hmm. Takes a little bit of. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of good animation there, and like her reaction is fantastic. We call that the Lassiter on oh, our network. Oh god. <laughs> oh. Also, we get to see that Kearney now just drives a beetle. Like they've just accepted <laughs> that Kearney is a full adult with a, who can get arrested. <laughs> yes, uh, as everybody's leaving, it seems like Marge's work is undone instantly thanks to Curtis's anger. After you, sweetheart. Oh, no. You first, ma'am. Well, somebody go first. Or not me. I'm not going until she goes. Oh, for crying out loud. Oh, oh, okay. Calm down. Just think. What would Curtis E. Bear do? Move it. I gotta return this suit. Get up! Thanks, chick dude. Well, I hope you're happy, (laughs) Simpson. Those prisoners were one day away from being completely rehabilitated. I'm tearing up your license. Ah, jeez, darn laminated. Would you mind? I got stubby fingers. <laughs> Just like Lisa, Wiggum suffers from stubbiness. Mm, that's true. <laughs> he can't play the saxophone or tear up a license. Marge has pretty strong fingers to t- tear up a laminated yeah. license like that. I couldn't do it. I got stubby fingers too. <laughs> and uh, the, it was also a real runner at this time having Wiggum say X. Was just one day away from, from Y. y. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I believe just last episode is police car gets smashed by a tree. And he says that car was one day away from retirement. <laughs> I do love being completely re- rehabilitated. It takes exactly as long as it's supposed to take. <laughs> Prison works. Yeah. And then exactly. all of the prisoners are about to be rehabilitated on the same day, too. <laughs> Uh, and in, it just hit me too that, like uh, storytelling wise, quality is that they they end act two with Marge freeing those prisoners, and then she will cage animals uh, at the end of the episode. It's a comment on the prison industrial complex <laughs> that's ruining America. Look it up, people. And uh, yes, we come back. Marge is uh, pissed off. I like that Homer goes too far in a joke, and I love his like quiet realization. Like I went too far. Let's go. And Lisa, <laughs> yes, it's great. Lisa's role in these seasons is either to criticize the plot or to add like plot grease to the wheel. Yes, so yeah. she sets up like we're going to the wild animal park. <laughs> uh, and going to the wild animal park feels very much like how you would begin a Simpsons episode, not how you would end one. You know what I mean? It's a weird. It's a weird third act. I'll say this. I've, I enjoyed this episode, but that third act is weird. The ending. It's very weird. Yes. So 
I do think I know where exactly this came from, though. This is hardly there. I mean, we've got Discount Line Safari was like eight years before. Yeah, this. that's more of the drive-through uh, exhibit. But I think I know where this one specifically came from is that the previous April of 1998, Disney's Animal Kingdom opened in Orlando. Oh. So mm. Animal Park, I mean, this is called Wild Animal Kingdom. So I think the idea of like all these live animals and taking your kids to see them in this thing, that's where they're going is basically a zoo. But Disney was like, no, this is an extra zoo. <laughs> You've gotten rid of the zoo depression. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, all the stories I heard about Animal Kingdom, uh, I've never been there. I've been to most of the other Orlando parks but not that one. Because all the stories I heard in the late 90s were animals dying. It's too hot. Oh. You shouldn't bring... Don't bring exotic animals to sit in the Florida sun all day. Mm, bad it's news. dangerous. Yeah. Well, not all animals could survive in all climates. Yeah. So. <laughs> though, though now Disney's Animal Kingdom has become the home of Avatar. Should I say Pandora? Mm. Uh, that's I that. forgot that's where it is now, right? Yep. Yeah. In five to eight more years, we're going to really be excited about that second movie. I cannot <laughs> wait. Uh, he just keeps adding more movies to it. And I wonder if Disney will keep giving him like another $100 million to just make another another five movies before finishing two. I feel like it is sunk cost fallacy for them at this point. Yeah, They've gone too far. <laughs> well, why would you want two movies when you could have eight? <laughs> well, you know, every time for 30 years now, people have told James Cameron, you're spending too much money and this will definitely fail. And every time it's the most successful film ever. So I think they finally are just like, we can't, we can't call him on it. We just got to keep giving James Cameron more money. We have to believe I, in him. He needs more submarines. At, at some point it's going to fail. And I feel really good about this one. That's just me though. <laughs> I've, I bet against him too many times. <laughs> I, I bet Avatar 2 will make as much as five end games. That's what I think. Uh, but yes, Homer, Homer is uh, a bit disappointed with his animal kingdom. Do something! All right, they're not here to entertain us. I've seen plays that were more exciting than this. Honest to God, plays! <laughs> I don't want to pay four bucks to watch some monkey wannabe laying in the sun. But, Dad, lemurs are nocturnal. Don't worry, honey. Daddy will fix that broken animal. No! I'm not going to hurt him. I'm just going to wake him up. He instantly screams and is hurt. Like, <laughs> yeah. Lisa tries her best to prevent animal cruelty, but he just can't stop Homer. There is something really, uh, at least familiar to me, of like, Daddy will fix that broken animal. Like, the idea of, like, you being the dad needing to uh, just enforce your will to make sure your kid has a good time no matter what. And taking the stance of the savior of this instead of the cause of misery. Yes. Yeah. I've had some goo, uh, good zoo luck lately. Oh, have going you? to zoos? They've all been awake and playful. Oh, nice. I I haven't been to a zoo in the longest time because of this kind of disappointment. But also, like it's uh, you know, I think zoos are less cruel now. I think you know to the animals. I, I I just never I never care. I'm sure there's a pretty good San Francisco zoo. I've never been to. It's it. good. It's a good zoo. Or Oakland, I bet has uh, a zoo. As well. Also good. Got to if you're around in, in New York, the Bronx Zoo cannot be beat. It's pretty wonderful. Mm, okay. I'll check it out. I I like Homer calling a lemur a monkey wannabe that's yeah me too uh but yeah and for once bart's 
slingshot has plot purpose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it sets off a chain reaction. Mm-hmm. And I really think it's like great animation on the freaking out lemur, the way it like runs a kind of circular, like very, very good animation, which is then followed by like a very loud Hanna-Barbera chomp on yeah. kangaroo's tail. Oh, I do like, it's a very Simpsons thing to have a new character like this crocodile Dundee guy who suddenly is very important, has a complicated backstory, <laughs> just suddenly appears. Yeah. It's a great like Jurassic Park riff of the idea of like being the one sane man, but also forgetting to tell anyone. <laughs> it's kind of a really hilarious idea to me. Uh, and it's interesting because I think he definitely is a Steve Irwin reference, but I don't think they knew Steve Irwin was. So he's just Paul. Uh, Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the, the crocodile hunter was very well known by 1999. Like every South Park had done their classic riff on him. Um, the little finger in the bum. Yep, yeah. yeah. I think uh, too when. Homer's causes this giant uh, chain reaction that frees all these rhinos. I now really appreciate the incredible effort that honestly amounts to cruelty on the animators to draw a rhino stampede on a television schedule and budget. Like that's crazy. It's why like, I feel like this is something David Silverman stopped many times from yeah. happening on the show, but this time he's not around to stop it, buddy. What if the rhinos? But you have to stampede? be like, are, do we need the rhinos? Okay, we need the rhinos. Uh, uh, it's not a rhino episode; it's about cars. Okay, we need rhinos. Okay, got it. What if there was one rhino? <laughs> <laughs> I love on the commentary they point out like animating one rhino is very hard. No person wants to be assigned animate one rhino. Animating twenty rhinos is uh, that sounds crippling to do. Uh, it's uh, I, so I feel very much for the animators who did because they did a great job. The 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 rhinos do stampede very well. They look great. And uh, yes, the uh, the Steve Irwin guy uh, tries to shoot a dart that it bounces off a rhino, bounces off Homer's butt as well, and then makes a sloth do a Snoopy dance, which that, is very random. The noises it makes in the animation are funny, but just bizarre how long it holds on this dancing dancing sloth. <laughs> it's just it's just inexplicable to me. Just it, go back and listen to those noises. They're weird. It's, uh, I mean, what does an excited sloth sound like? They, they had to guess. It sounds guess. like Yardley Smith grunting. <laughs> <laughs> I do love when things decide into pure chaos for no good reason and this is as good of a no good reason as you can get and uh yes you mentioned it earlier bob mike scully and his family are in this and you hear mike scully going ah yeah. when he runs by uh so i actually have situated just that screaming and i it's and sounds, oh sorry and the five daughters yeah it sounds so specific i really do think he had his five daughters and wife all get in the recording booth with him and scream for this like this does not feel like it's taken out of the library <laughs> Yeah, that's those are unique screams. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I mean it's uh hey, you know what? If I ran the Simpsons, I'd draw myself in at least one scene, especially to impress my wife and kids. Uh but, yeah. but they appear a second time, which I'm like, that's a bit much. <laughs> hey, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, we love them. They give themselves lines in the show. That's they true. were like playing characters. <laughs> well, not them personally, but they're No, they're... on Mission Hill, they did play two characters that's true, yeah. on it, actually. So I f- yeah, I feel like I'd be such a uh, uh, a glory hog or fame hog if I was writing. I would just be like, and then I show up and every like I would make myself the Mary Sue. Like Homer loves me, obviously. I become his best friend, and we all kind of hang out together. Me and Bart get into some shenanigans. I'm the only one that understands Marge and it's great and then my favorite film director moves to Springfield <laughs> and hangs out with me well mm-hmm. we know uh, plenty of people who make cartoons and we're waiting for the day when we get cast 
I, I'm feeling offended at this point. Yeah. We have not been cast yet. <laughs> Come have... on. We have great voices. Listen to this. Hey, look, I can do a Brooklyn accent. Uh-huh. Hey there. I'm a Brooklyn guy. I'm podcasting here. <laughs> the Simpsons have 24 episodes a season. They could give you one. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Just like, look out. There. <laughs> I can just say that. <laughs> but uh, also, Homer clearly wasn't watching the film Jumanji closely because saying Jumanji out loud is not what makes the uh, animals disappear. You have to complete the game of Jumanji being played. Mm. Obviously, the rules changed a bit in the 2017 remake, which is actually an okay movie. And now there's a sequel to that remake? Yes. Inter- yeah. Weird. Weird. Is it still video games? Or are we doing more? Are we going out even further? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's still video games, except this time, instead of a teen boy becoming The Rock and Kevin Hart, it's Danny DeVito and Danny Glover becoming the rock and kevin hart respectively Hmm. so it's a real uh, acting bonanza for the rock (laughs) to pretend to be danny devito in the rock it's it's weird how that turned into a brain swap comedy yeah it's uh it was a funny place to take and reese darby has a really funny like minor part in it too and it makes sense to uh not you don't want uh danny devito to become kevin hart because the joke is short and short you gotta you gotta flip that over yeah, I agree. I, I it's uh, and but also they get to reuse jokes from the previous movie because it's a new person in Rock's body. So they uh, and Jack Black's in it too. I think he's still the same body person. But uh, oh no, wait, no, he's the hunk in the body of Jack Black now. So anyway, the the Homer screaming at Jumanji. Clearly, he had forgotten the 1995 film Jumanji. Have you guys done that one yet on We Hate Movies? We have not. It, it, we, there's sort of like a, a soft moratorium on Williams movies. And I'm just uh, never sure when we, when we can go back because there, there's so much there, but it's just the elephant in the room is the horrific end of Robin Williams, you know, and it's like mm. you could Paul Walker. We've kind of gone back to pretty quick. Like, ah, he's fine. But Robin Williams is a little sadder, so it's kind of a thing where eventually, for sure. Well, Paul Walker told you not to feel bad for him if he dies in a car wreck. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So. You're not supposed to worry about him. But it's on yeah, the tombstone. <laughs> But definitely, Robin Williams. It's a little, it's a little darker. But it, it, yeah. I do think it's just a matter of time. It's we're doing that South Park math of like how long we actually have to wait. Uh, but yes, is the uh, rhinos are growing crazy. They there's only one person they can turn to for help. <laughs> ah, nuts! Isn't there anybody who can round up these thunder lizards? Well, they need a pretty rugged vehicle and a heart to match. <laughs> hmm. I'd like to help you, Chief. But my license was revoked. Seems I'm full of rage. Then do it for this adorable little puppy. Look at that puppy, mine. That's your hat. She's good, Chief. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got some dust that needs busting. This is Kent Brockman at the scene of a level three rhino alert. Authorities say there's no immediate danger to anyone except those three luckless people whom we'll identify once the rhinos spit out their wallets. <gasps> Back! Back, I say! Oh no, I'm out of popcorn! Throw your peanuts! You throw your peanuts! One of the funniest things is they don't really uh, point it out to you or like make a note of it within the show is that one of the rhinos does go down because of the popcorn. <laughs> Homer killed a rhino. <laughs> yeah, just by gently throwing popcorn at it. <laughs> I, I, I love do love peanuts. use your peanuts. It's just really, it's a very, it's a Homer thing. Uh, and also Wiggum pointing out the hat, saying that like the hat is the puppy. Love that too. The And him calling them thunder lizards. 
Uh, the <laughs> and it becomes a, a cop movie briefly of like the, them going to the retired cop and her going like I don't do that anymore like yes uh, so uh, and so no clips for basically the next two minutes of the show because it's just a lot of action it's just as the rhino carries Homer through the city right yeah Marge arrives in time she it's really cool animation of her using her aggressive driving to corral the rhinos I think that uh, it's really well executed. I kind of needed a Homer joke whilst he's being uh, traipsed through the city because it's like it's like almost there but not quite like it just needs it needs like a button on it of like I think he says at some point it's not my rhino but it needs yeah. to be like a bigger kind of a, a bigger gesture I feel I think the funniest joke is when he gets caught in the porta potty and the rhino uh, stabs it with its horn and he says who's out there yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That is great. and also that is when great. he is shitting after the rescue <laughs> but yeah the stuff like it's not my rhino though that line is is clearly just Dan ad lib, so it's not as it doesn't have really a stage for a joke. Yeah, the the joke is more just people reacting to Homer being paraded around town on the end of a rhino. <laughs> also, I, I'm not the biggest line of like it'll be my ass on the Barbie. It's like eh, it's I get it. It's yeah. Australian, eh, whatever. Yeah. But I do like the that ought to hold them on a tiny latch <laughs> on the gates. <laughs> we should get to bad. the uh, ending though. I want to talk about a few things as references that oh, are yes. kind of obscure now. Okay, so Homer gets thrown into a porta party. Marge is knows she can't go in time, so she purposefully knocks over the uh, fl- flips over the SUV and she dives out of it perfectly just like Ed- Lou and Eddie did too like there's some real yeah. action star posing there <laughs> uh and then yes uh we they get a very long like kind of end of a mystery show explanation that is rooted in a, a lot of stuff it's it's all out of nowhere this yeah here. it's uh i i kind of uh dislike it because it comes out of nowhere but i do like how odd it is and how it uh is promoting something else mm-hmm. <laughs> yes it's weird it's also it reminds me very much of the major league baseball turn in that uh, in that mm-hmm. other episode but that at least sort of gets sort of referenced throughout where it finally comes through this is very much out of nowhere they yeah. really needed a way to end this with a punch yeah so they they definitely say that uh well here you let me play the clip how did you know your plan would work mom thanks for asking well i was watching dateline and stone phillips said suvs always roll over when you turn sharply and the gas tanks explode at the drop of a hat and she also knew if a rhino sees a flame he'll instinctively try to put it out stone phillips again is there anything that guy doesn't know Oh, this Stone Phillips sounds like quite a bloke. What television network is he on? Why, NBC, (laughs) of course. NBC has lots of great shows, and their news and sports coverage can't be beat. Do you think there's anything great on NBC right now? Oh, I'm sure of it. But there's only one way to find out. (laughs) I'd like to read the following statement, but I do so (laughs) under my own free will. It has come to my attention that NBC sucks. I apologize for misleading you and urge you to watch as many Fox shows as possible. So, in summary, NBC bad. Fox, good. CBS, great. Fire into his dead body. So Homer is dead. 
and the and the cops are here. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll, that's okay. No, that's okay. So I do want to talk about what this references. So uh, Marge referencing what she learned about cars exploding on Dateline references a very famous of the time Dateline scandal. Well, of the time meaning seven years before this. So on November seventeenth, nineteen ninety two, Dateline NBC aired a report called "Waiting to Explode," questioning the safety of some General Motors trucks. To try to ensure dramatic footage, the show's producers allowed incendiary devices to be strapped to trucks for a crash test demonstration. Wild. When GM discovered the setup, the carmaker sued NBC for defamation and temporarily removed its ads from the network's news programs. Then came the ultimate embarrassment. Dateline anchors Jane Pauley and Stone Phillips were ordered to read a 3.5-minute on-air apology to viewers and GM. Wow. And the apologies on YouTube, and they are super careful to not look completely to blame, but they are. Well, I yeah. mean, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's insane that they're like that they could take any stance other than it's not our fault. It's like you faked an exploding car. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah. Like, you f- faked it. When I watched this episode when I was seventeen, I was like, yeah, that was like back when I was ten. That happened. This is a weird pull. I, I never thought of that connection to it. I just thought it was about like Dateline was airing opposite simpsons a lot of nights on nbc at this time uh, so i figured they were just naming the thing that was against them but to have it so specifically be T- stone phillips and the thing that they lied about with exploding cars which i guess uvs are more likely to turn over just because they're top heavy but the that that the gas tank explodes the at a at the drop of a hat, which it does in the world of The Simpsons. So they're saying, no, Stone Phillips was definitely right. He was, he told us the right thing to do. I've seen this episode a dozen times. And also like, just, I have that knowledge about SUVs incorrectly by osmosis. So I'm like, oh yeah, SUVs explode all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even, I, so I've been duped up to, up to and including this very minute. Wow. I... Despite his lies, the best thing Stone Phillips ever did was interview Jeffrey Dahmer. He did do that. A super long, great interview with Jeffrey Dahmer and his dad. It's really good. Check it out on YouTube. (laughs) You see, when they bring up Dateline now, I just think of how Dateline is only about spouses murdering each other. That's every Dateline now. (laughs) That's that's your classic never get on a boat with anybody because you'll be on Dateline. (laughs) I'm not getting on a boat with anyone. (laughs) uh, Yeah, Stone Phillips, he's been retired since 2007. They they Mm. didn't renew his contract on Dateline. And he apparently, I looked into this because there's multiple news articles called what happened to stone phillips and he basically like works on uh personal projects like he did a documentary on his aging father Mm. apparently so that's that's mainly what stone phillips uh focuses on he's a bit of a gray fox these days he wasn't brian lowered out of existence no uh, oh sorry matt lower matt lower yeah yeah. well you're getting brian williams also yes that's who i was thinking somehow he's back i mean what he did is not the same as what yeah that's true uh what matt lower continues to do it seems it's really funny like the fact that like it would be weird that Stone Phillips would retire. Like, why is it weird to make millions and millions of dollars and never want to work again? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's totally yeah. fine. I think the true crazy people are the millionaires and billionaires who still go to their office every day, like Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, Once and you, Elon Musk. When you have forty million dollars, just stop. Just go like, away. We hate you that. anyway, so go away. <laughs> Well, exactly. You've it, it's how many how many spins of the roulette wheel do you think are going to work out for you? You know what I mean? Like, just walk away. You've made your money. Congratulations. Walk away. <laughs> yes, though. It, Fox really hated this joke, but they, to their credit, as Scully says, they let them do it eventually. Yeah, I think the uh, to cushion it, they wrote the over the credits Homer being murdered joke. 
but if you were watching this on February 21st, 1999, I was, and you did as Marge told you and turned the channel to NBC, what would you have seen? Not Dateline, because it was an NBA basketball game, the Lakers at Seattle, mm. on the East Coast. And if you're watching on the West Coast, that might be over, and you'd be turning into the television network premiere of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Eraser. Uh, you'd be getting wow. to watch that. Skip it. <laughs> Previous We Hate Movies episode, also RIP the Seattle Supersonics. Aww, uh, that's right. Yeah. I I only know that because pro wrestlers have used that uh, as a way to make fun of Seattle when they're in town. <laughs> uh, but, that sounds about right. Uh, but yes, Dateline shows that it had run against The Simpsons the week before had the segments Going to Extremes, Lord of the Ring, and Out on a Limb. Mm, okay. But I could not find out what any of those were about. Probably they, all about imminent death. <laughs> At least yes. one of them, yes. yeah. But yes, uh, we do have to wrap episode. I do think it's very funny. Uh, the third act kind of loses me. They hit the zoo panic button to get out of the episode. It doesn't quite work. <laughs> but I do like how the ending is weird and also anti the network they're on. So I'll give it that. Yes, yeah. I... I love that it gives Marge a new like emotion, a new emotional state to express, and it it lets Marge be more than just the happy homemaker. Uh, but yeah, also with the destruction of the SUV, I guess they're just like, and that cured her road rage. No more problems there. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a really good point. I, I do th- I I do think this episode is heavy on jokes, light on like an, an arcing story that really holds together. But the jokes are worth it for sure. Like yeah, I, I do wish Marge learned something, or we learned something about Marge. But no, it's about the Stonefell. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Ultimately. Most things are nowadays. Yeah. But uh, Steve, thank you so much for joining us for the third time. Woo. Please let everyone know about We Hate Movies. You've got a great Patreon with all these bonus episodes. I love listening to everything that comes out every week. Oh, thank you so much, man. We are a quote-unquote bad movie podcast called uh, We Hate Movies. We run ep- episodes every Tuesday. It's November now. We we just did an episode on Terminator Salvation uh, with David Sims of Blank Check that, that should be coming out very soon. Mm. If not out already, uh, our Patreon episode of the month for uh, We Love Movies, which is on our uh, $5 level, which is the actual the Terminator? All kind oh, of nice. Uh, rap. If you're a Terminator head, it's a good month to check out. We just wrapped up our horror month, which has a ton of good stuff, including The Shining on our Patreon. Uh, yeah, check us out at whmpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for having us here, uh, having all four of us and me as well for the third time. And I'm coming back for number four if you have me. Oh, Hell for yeah. sure. And we can't wait to see you when you come to the Bay Area very soon. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, check us out uh, on that tour tab, whmpodcast.com. If you're in the Bay Area tonight, Cobb's Comedy club uh the london theater in portland uh so check all that out whmpodcast.com all your information thank you guys again so thanks again to steve sadak for being on the episode please check out all of the great we hate movie stuff we love them but as for us if you want to check out our stuff and support our show please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and if you sign up at the five dollar level you'll have access to over 100 bonus podcasts that you probably haven't heard yet that includes all of our limited mini series including the newly freshly released talking future Futurama Season 2 Part 1. That is 10 new episodes of Talking Futurama just for you and just for our $5 patrons. There is too much happening at that $5 level to cover here, but Henry will helpfully tell you what's happening at the $10 level. One mega-sized podcast every single month. 
That's right. If you want all the bonuses of being a $5 a month patron, plus an extra podcast, you need to sign up for 10 bucks a month. You'll get access to our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast, where we talk about a different animated feature film for up to and over four hours, sometimes even. And in October, for Halloween season, we did The Nightmare Before Christmas. And if you sign up right now, you'll be able to hear that, plus over 33 hours of other Patreon exclusive $10 and up podcast. You definitely want to sign up once more at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I also do the podcast Retronauts, a classic gaming podcast every Monday and occasionally on Friday. Go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. Henry, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. You'll get all of your Henry Gilbert updates. That includes every time a new podcast goes live on either the Patreon or on the free feed for both Talking Simpsons and our What a Cartoon other series. So please follow me there on Twitter once more. That is H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for the episode Make Room for Lisa, and we'll see you then. from the fair city of Edinburgh. Sir, have you noticed how North Edinburgh golfers putt like this and South Edinburgh golfers putt like this? <coughs> eh? Eh? Oh, I see. Well, it's not funny unless he's down on his knees scooping up your little brat's puke. <laughs> Thank you, you've been great! <laughs>